Karen Conroy, Why Marketing Must Start with a Strategy. This is episode 122 on Kelly Bagla's The Legal Yourself Podcast. Welcome to the Go Legal Yourself Podcast. This show is about knowing the legal life cycle of your business. Today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Karen Conroy. Karen is the owner of Conroy Creative Council. It's a online strategic marketing firm for the legal industry. Welcome to the show, Karen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I, I am looking forward to speaking with you today. That's fantastic. We're looking forward to learning about you and your journey and, and you working with the legal industry. I'm sure yeah. that couldn't be you know, as easy as it sounds. Well, it's it's unique, that's for sure. Lawyers are a rare breed, and so it's it's been an interesting journey. I'm, I'm sure it has. And do you have a favorite quote to share with us? Yeah, I like to say that law school doesn't teach you how to run a business. I feel like uh, I went to UCI and got an MBA, and there's so much that we learned in in just figuring out how to, to manage business that you don't really learn in law school. So uh, that's that's part of what I bring to the table when I work with my clients. It is amazing that you say that, Karen. Amazing because as a an attorney, uh, as someone that's got multiple years of schooling underneath my belt, going to law school, that's one thing that they do not teach you. They do not teach you how to run a business. Yeah. They do not teach you how to become a business owner. And in fact, they don't really teach you much about the real world and how to interact with clients. I think yeah. they really need, you know, a separate class where they should teach these types of um, yes. strategic skills because it's not skills, right? Yeah. And I honestly feel like there's a, a few different things that I, I really focus on that aren't taught. There's business and how to run a business. There is client interaction, like you mentioned. And then there is, you know, a, a kind of growing little uh, cluster of people who are talking a lot about design thinking, which I love uh, and can talk about all day long. But that kind of is an umbrella over a lot of those ideas where it's like, how do you structure things in a way that you're uh, planning that client journey, and you're really thinking in terms of that client. And uh, I do think that there is a thought process. Uh, I'm, I've never been to mine to, to law school, but there's a thought process in law school that that appears for a lot of my clients that uh, it, it is it is a little bit more focused on the attorney and you know that that kind of thinking versus thinking in terms of the client and the client needs and those problems that you're solving and so uh, I think there's a shift that that could really be beneficial in people who are looking to to start out and begin their law firm and think about things a little differently a couple of episodes ago I had a very bright young lady on the show she is my legal assistant and she's going to law school and it was amazing having her work with me because I'm very old school that that's yeah. what I come from very traditional sure but she brought you know technology right to a law firm that's another thing that we were, yeah. were not taught in law school yeah so she brought technology and she's finding new ways to make life easy at the firm and so her and I were talking about well what does the next generation of lawyers look like yeah 
And so that's a, that was a, a wonderful episode. Um, just a couple episodes before yours. So great. Yeah, I think there is, people it's to fascinating to, it. to see the kinds of changes that are happening in the legal industry, like you say, mm-hmm. even in this next generation. And it, it'll be interesting to see. And I also think that COVID has really expedited, especially the technology side of things. Uh, I know Clio has done a, a lot of reports. They send, They put out these reports each year. And Last year, they were saying that the adoption of a lot of the technology just in 2020 was pushed forward at least, you know, I want to say three or four years from where they expected it to be, just because people really at the beginning of of the pandemic weren't familiar or comfortable with the idea of Zoom, things like that. And now it's 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 a given like we will be likely to be meeting by, you know, it's an option, whether it happens or not, it's something people are comfortable with. You're absolutely right. There's a multitude of things that change because of COVID, right? Yeah. It, it, it's it's human nature. We have to evolve. Exactly. We, we have to, to overcome. But the title of your episode, Karen, is Why Marketing Must Start With a Strategy. Now, oh. I have had um, multiple business owners that have been in the marketing world. There's so many different ways to market a product or a service, but you in particular focus again on the legal industry. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you uh, got into that niche of a market. Yeah, it's been a, a, it seemed at the time like a roundabout journey, you know, going through all of the different uh, career paths. But I started out in Laguna Beach at this little internet cafe. And this was at the beginning of the internet. So it was like Napster and uh, there was no Wi-Fi at the time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and people would stop by to check their email because they didn't, there was no email on phones. <laughs> right, right. I mean, I, I think it's interesting to kind of think I back about. I can imagine back then. I know. It's it's crazy <laughs> to think. We didn't even text. Remember, we used, you used to have to pay per word for texting. <laughs> and it's not that long ago. I mean, what? you know, so anyway, way back then, uh, I was working in this little cafe, started to learn how to put together a website. And, and I say that now, but the idea of a website back then was a completely different thing than what it is now. So it has really evolved over, you know, all these years that we've had the internet. And so in that time, I also went back to school, got a design degree, and then went back again and got my MBA. So I have these two sides of my brain that uh, really balance the idea of design and design thinking and that type of strategy combined with a business strategy. And so uh, I started out working at Century 21, and I was the director of marketing there for a bunch of years leading up to the recession. I had a marketing team. We, uh, you know, worked with real estate agents who are surprisingly in a lot of ways similar to lawyers because they, uh, in the Century 21 model, are all independent little businesses. And then they come in and uh, we help them with their marketing. So then during the recession, I started my own business and I was working with a few lawyers on the side and it just grew really quickly. There was a lot of lawyers out there that were starting their own firm kind of unexpectedly. (laughs) They were either, you know, had to leave a firm or they had decided that was their moment. And it's been interesting over the last two years with this pandemic to see those patterns repeat in in a slightly different way. We're in a different kind of an economic moment. But, um, you know, a lot of clients are approaching me. Either they have uh, been 
their job has been eliminated or more interesting, a lot of them have decided this is their moment. They've been thinking about it for so long. And this pandemic was a time when they were uh, pausing and thinking about their life and you know what they wanted to do. And so they started their own firm. So that's kind of my journey. And I feel like as I look past uh, back through all of my experiences, there are so many common threads with marketing and the approach and how to start a business. And uh, so many things change over the years. And so trying to find those strategies that really have worked for different clients and different kind of clientele is, is where I, I kind of come in and, and approach things. Well, how is marketing so different from marketing for lawyers or marketing for real estate agents or marketing for, you know, catering businesses? Well, in a lot of ways, it's not. So in if you look at really big picture uh, marketing theory, it's not. I mean, you you basically some of the main uh, ideas and theories that I walked away from from my professors in marketing when I was in grad school are find your customers or your clients, whichever term you're using in whichever industry you're in, and be there. And then find their unmet needs and meet them. So, you know, those are going to, that's going to apply whether you are a catering truck and you have a product or you're a lawyer and you have a service. It's find those clients, figure out what their needs are, how it's not being met, and then and then meet them. And it sounds simple, uh, but there's so many different ways to answer those questions. Uh, and I think a lot of people look around and look at what their their competition is doing, or look at you know what's happening over in in on the other side of uh, you know some other website. And they decide that instead of finding where their clients are, they're looking at what their competition is doing. And then they try to meet that, you know, and that is not going to work because trying to match someone else's strategy into your own firm is never going to be a strategy that works. And that is probably one of the most common mistakes that I see that everyone's like, okay, I'm going to start our conversation by showing you a website or uh, a firm that I really uh, kind of almost envy. And I'm going to look at what they're doing. And then let's try to do that. And th that's that's a completely backwards, uh, ineffective way to approach it. So could you walk us through from how lawyers in particular, because we're, we're just going to focus on, again, the legal industry, because sure. it is a very unique industry. Yeah, we, we are all somewhat cut from the same cloth. And, and when it comes to marketing, we don't really know. We know our profession incredibly well yeah other than that you know running a business you got to kind of figure that on your own and then on top of that how is one supposed to get clients traditionally it was going to networking events and it was right. word of mouth that's what it was all about because yeah. if you're going to and and i believe it's because of the profession itself it's a trusted profession so you're not just going to pick up the the yellow books we don't even have a yellow book now do we <laughs> Well, there is an online version of it. And surprisingly, I do have a few clients, you know, in little small towns that use, you know, they work with like elder uh, right. clients and things like that. And there, you know, there is a tiny little uh, sliver of people who are still using those. <laughs> right, right. And so, so we have the traditional way of marketing, but walk right. us through how that's changing and what you bring to the table. Well, the first thing I want to say is that I think people overlook that traditional model a little too much. And they, 
instantly, not not everyone, but a lot of people do in, jump right away to their online marketing presence and marketing strategy as the sole strategy. And I think that's a mistake in a lot of cases. So depending on your practice area, there's a lot of ways that those traditional marketing methods are still going to work, whether you're doing networking events, whether you're showing up at meetings where your clients are. So depending on what kind of work you're doing and what kind of clients you're looking for, showing up at networking events and uh, finding those associations and finding groups where you can really be that resource is still the right answer. So once again, just kind of going back to the idea of finding your clients and being there, it's still okay to do the traditional marketing. And I don't hear a lot of other marketing people talking about that so much. So step one, don't ignore that. That is still important. It's still important. We're still humans. And, and I think, especially during this this uh, pandemic, we've noticed that we really do want to interact. And there's a missing piece when everything is online. And so, uh, yes, that is super important. Your online presence is important, but it's not everything. So make sure that your marketing plan includes some of that stuff, being in person. And, and your marketing should also include not just the part about getting clients. It's a part about the entire client experience, the post-client experience. So what are you doing through your interaction with their, that client that is really meeting their needs, following up, you know, making sure that your systems are in place to do what you need to do. And then after the fact, following up in a way that is appropriate for that client. Like that is definitely going to be different depending on your practice area. Uh, some practice areas, it's one and done. You, you know, that client may have had a criminal issue and they, you, they, they don't ever want to see you again. Uh, but it, it may be that, you know, you're a business lawyer and you want to make sure that you're protecting them down the road. And so you're, you know, proactively reaching out in ways that they're not even considering. Mm -hmm. So think about the entire lifespan of that client. Think about how you can provide value that is preempting their need because you already know based on your other clients what kinds of needs they're going to have maybe three or six months down the road and approach it from from that kind of uh, an approach instead of the reactionary let's just address problems kind of uh, issue. So so all of those things being said, we start with the strategy of making sure that we really clearly understand that client. And that's something that you likely are coming to the table with that knowledge already of knowing who your clients are, what kinds of problems they typically have, what kind of concerns and questions and things that you can answer and really position yourself as that expert, and then how you can work through their their entire life cycle, what they're needing now, what they're needing six months from now, and then what they're needing in five years. See, I love that approach. That way, who doesn't want to be thought of? Right? Exactly. And especially someone that's paying you. Who doesn't want to be thought of? And the fact that sometimes there, there used to be these companies too that would send out birthday cards or anniversary yes. cards on your behalf, right? It's always right. nice to receive something in the mail. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it just keeps you top of mind. And uh, I just was looking into this the other day. There's a whole company called Giftology that talks about the strategy just of gifts. And it came up because some colleagues were talking about, you know, the holidays are coming up. What do you give your clients for gifts? And it was a unique approach that they were saying, 
don't do it, do it during the holidays when everyone else is doing it. You, the purpose of these gifts and reminders and, and thoughtful gestures is to stand out. And so if you're just sending a holiday thing like everyone else and sending a card, it just gets lost in, in the shuffle. So for all of those same reasons, your marketing approach and your thoughtful interactions should be something that is not just the same as what everyone else is doing. It should be something that you have really put together, put some thought into. And once you've put that thought into, you don't have to keep doing that every single year. Once you've got the plan and the system and the process in place, then it just kind of runs or you have someone in your office that runs it. But really put some thought into how it's going to be different, how you're not just going to send the same old Christmas card or holiday card as everyone else. Right, exactly. Now, our financial planner, absolutely love her to bits. Every year on the dot, every year, she'll send us some oils, right? So some cooking oils, like virgin oh, nice. oils or some uh, balsamic vinegar and the little bottles. And we're so used to it now and we really appreciate it. And it, it's something expected yeah. uh, now, right? But it, in, in a very loving way. So yeah. if you can start building that with your clientele, for example, um, Karen, what, what I do, and I've done this for probably... 11 years is every month I always just send out my newsletter every yeah. month and in that newsletter I'll give them some you know something um uh, little surprises here and there and and even from 11 years ago I'll have people email me saying you know love your marketing love what you're doing congratulations on this or as we're as we're growing because they become family yeah right? they've been with you for so long yeah they do become family but that's a great way of staying um in front of you know your clients especially from 11 years ago so that way they're not searching for a new attorney because they completely exactly. forgot who you are right you're number one you're staying top of mind and then there it really is a lot of psychology around the idea of gifting and um or if in if you have a product based company which lawyers don't but if you think of it in terms of why companies offer samples so i'm a big fan of trader joe's myself there is a reason why they offer samples and it's not just to be nice i mean they do have a a big strategy around their overall client approach. But the idea of samples, it absolutely drives sales and they know that it's tied to a return on that investment. So the idea of delighting clients and providing something that they're not expecting, but then it also for, for, for Trader Joe's, a lot of their, their products are unfamiliar. So they can really provide that with with a zero risk uh, kind of sample. So whether it's a sample or a gift or whatever the case might be, you're delighting them in a way that's unexpected. And that's that's what you're really trying to capture. You're trying to capture that just moment of thinking, oh my gosh, that was very nice. And they yeah. just it just files it away in the back of their mind. And there is a reciprocity idea there too. They did something nice. I'm grateful for that. And on some level, I feel like I might owe them a little bit in, in reciprocity for that. Perfectly said. I want to talk to you a little bit about, um, you had mentioned that there are, in your marketing, you've mentioned that there are some pillars of law firm branding. Now, everybody knows that lawyers don't even know how to spell branding, right? <laughs> <laughs> and less and less you're one of those 
that actually stands out. Now, right. I think I have somewhat mastered that. I have, as, as far as my law firm goes, I'm known as the queen of business law. I've written uh, a couple of books. The latest one is Go Legal Yourself. And I talk about the strategy of running a business is very, very similar, like playing chess. You always have to think, you know, a couple of moves ahead. Yeah. And then my logo for my law firm is the queen chess piece. The reason the queen, because the queen literally dominates the, the chess board. She can move either which way she wants. And her sole purpose is to make sure that the king doesn't get captured. Right. Same thing in my, in my firm as well. Our clients are, uh, you know, the, the king, if you will, and sure. we protect them and we can move either which way just to make sure that they don't get hurt. Right. Legally or financially. And I love so that. talk to me about the, 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 some of the pillars that you think a law firm branding should be based on. Well, so when we, when we develop pillars for a firm, it's, it's going to be different. You know, this is kind of the first thing that every marketer says to the it, as an answer to any question is well it depends <laughs> so, so wait, wait, hold on. that's that's the standard qu uh, answer you get from a lawyer yeah, exactly. around lawyers too long exactly. i think exactly. <laughs> let me start with a disclaimer <laughs> so a bunch of asterisks and yeah so it depends on your practice area and who your clients are so coming back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago and um making sure that you have defined who those clients are and then, so for example, we, are, we will typically de define these pillars in a social media campaign, for example. And so you are going to have pillars of different types of content. So maybe, and first of all, your clients are at different points in that decision process too. So depending on who your clients are and what their needs are, uh, let's say you are, have an estate planning practice. You may have clients who are two or three years away from needing your your work, but they are just at that introductory educational phase. So you need to provide a pillar of content for those clients where they, you are meeting them at that need. They just want some basic information and they want to be able to be educated on why they might need your services in the future. Then you have clients who are further down the road. You know, they, they were at that point two or three years ago. They are closer to a decision. So now those clients need to understand the urgency of that decision and why they need to move forward today or next week or right away. And that there's an urgent need for their kind of uh, whatever it is that they're looking for from your practice. And, and so you need to provide a different kind of information for that client where it's here is how to get in touch with me. Here is how we will work together. Here is the information that is answering the questions that you have at this point in, in your journey, which is totally different from pillar one. And then you have clients who are, like I said, you know, at, earlier, at, further down the road, maybe you've already worked with them and you are just nurturing that relationship and providing resources and information for things that might come up five years down the road, or maybe things that they didn't necessarily think of that have maybe changed in the time since you worked with them. And then there are just people who you may interact with in a different way. There are, And then there may be a branding pillar where it's like, we are just going to provide information 
in in kind of story format about our brand. So it might be things that explain the story you just told about the queen of, you know, uh, and how you have kind of aligned that queen story with how you help your clients. And so it explains that broadly to all those visitors. So each one of those pillars should be equally approached. And then you should have content that fits under each one of those pillars in all of your campaigns so that you are addressing you know, all those different potential people that are in various points in the, in the funnel uh, through their client approach. Well explained. Well <laughs> explained. So, just, just curious, working with attorneys, that their branding is very boring. Right? It's yes. very standard. Stra- yeah. standard. It's, it's just their name and that is it. They don't necessarily have some sort of symbol or, or, or logo actually created. But with some of your clients, um, how creative can you get with creating logos for them? So to begin with, a lot of clients get mixed up between the idea of branding and just the identity and the logo. And the brand is your overall reputation. Mm -hmm. And so that is how you appear in every format. So it is your logo, but it's also how you're appearing online. It's how you appear at networking events, the things you say about your firm, your whole client experience. That's your brand. That is the thing. You know, Coca-Cola's brand is not just the logo. It is every part of drinking the Coca-Cola, every part of their commercials that everyone has these memories of their commercials. It's every part of that brand. Your logo itself is a representative visual of the brand that is just meant to remind people of your firm. So if your logo looks like every other logo, it's not doing its job. And (laughs) it's not meant to be a literal interpretation of what's happening in your firm. So it's not meant to be the scales of justice. It's not meant to be a gamble. Thank you. you. Oh my God. That's all you'll see. It's not. If, if, if it was Nike would be a shoe and Coca-Cola would be a bottle of Coca-Cola. It is not, it is meant to be a visual expression of that brand experience. So they're not creative, hence they're not. What is is legal, you know, so let's adopt that as our letterhead. And here's the problem and the solution to that is that lawyers' job is to mitigate risk. And so their job is to be worried about this and to worry that this is not going to be done right and it's not going to represent. So I I think the solution is to recognize that you are leading with fear and to pull that back and to say the the answer is not to go with the most common, most obvious solution. I'm going to hire someone because this is not my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to hire someone to execute that creativity in the same way that I don't color my own hair in the same <laughs> way that, you know, I don't, you know, change the oil in my car. It would not work out well. And mm-hmm. I recognize that is not, you know, my expertise. So I'm going to hire someone out to execute this expression of my entire brand that is instantly going to remind people when they see that color and the font and the overall visuals, oh yes, that was that firm. Instead of, was that this firm or that firm? They all, the logos look the same. And that's a failure on the design side from from my opinion. And the difference between design and art is that design can fail. So if the design is not accurately reminding and refreshing people's memory, every interaction that they have with your brand, it's not working and it's a failure. So you need to find someone who can execute that design so that it 
it's that it achieves those goals and it does what you're needing it to do. Fantastic. <laughs> so Karen, if you had to do it all over again in your professional career, what would oh you my gosh. change? <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> How much time do we have, right? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I would not, uh, in, in the beginning, I, I did hourly work, same, you know, similar to how a lot of law firms start out. I feel like there's a lot of parallels with the progression of the way law firms have changed versus my own business. I would start with as tight of a contract as I can possibly uh, find. And my contract has changed over years, but it's it's changed, you know, like everyone else. Usually your contract changes based on something that arises that you realize, oh, shit, I wasn't covered for this thing. So I would never do hourly work. Hourly work is not the answer for someone who is good at what they're doing and learns over time. So the more efficient you get, the less money you're making because uh, you should be spending less and less time doing the same kind of work. So, you know, I, I say this all the time, but there's a meme that go, that's out there that talks about, it took me, you know, this many years in grad school and this many years of experience to get where I am today. And now that thing you're asking me for is going to take me 20 minutes. You're not paying for the 20 minutes, you're paying for the years. Exactly. And so instead of billing based on that time that it takes me, which really doesn't make any sense, uh, let's talk about how valuable it is and what, mm -hmm. what the worth of that thing that I'm providing for you is. And then that is where the price should be. So those are two uh, things I would change. The hourly, making sure I have a good contract, and then really knowing and listening to my gut about when it's uh, there's red flags for potential clients. So when I know that this is not a good fit, then I just refer them out to someone else. And, you know, this is not the kind of work we do or for whatever reason, this client is just, it's not a good fit. It's better for both of us. If I if we're both upfront about that and I say, listen, you know, let me let me find a different agency for you. And instead of trying to put that, you know, round peg in a square hole, it just doesn't it, it's never good for anyone. That's some great advice because this show is all about promoting entrepreneurs and it's all about helping entrepreneurs in every aspect of the business is not just about legal, even though legal is the, the primary um, basis, right? Because if you don't have a solid legal foundation to stand on, it can get very uncomfortable for business owners as they yes. grow. Yeah. Just like you said, having that solid contract right out yes. of the gate, right? <laughs> and that's why, that's why you would hire a professional who knows you know, all of these scenarios could happen. So let's just put these in here in case this happens. Well, and over the life of your business, it's like more and more likely to happen. And right. so if you have already prepared for the potential of that issue, then when things like that come up, or even just questions like, you know, we're not sure how this next phase goes. Well, we've already ironed that out in our contract. Here's what we've agreed to. Oh, okay. Well, that's, that's clear. And we're not fighting about it at this point. We've already agreed to it. There, there's so many um, episodes that I've done just to address contracts. Yes. Like, well, yes. what makes a contract, first of all? Um, how can how can a contract be breached? What, what causes a breach of a contract? And then how do you actually mitigate and how do you resolve? You, a contract, and you obviously would know this, a contract is only as good as the people entering into it. Yes, 
Yes. <laughs> and I keep saying that over and over again to, to um, my clients and potential clients. And you're absolutely right. When you know that this is not going to be a good fit, even though they want to work with you. So we've had multiple calls. Uh, we get calls all the time saying, oh, could you, could you help with this? Or could you do that? And we say, oh, we're so sorry. Don't, don't do that. Can't do that. Won't do that. Yeah. And, uh, but, but, you know, thank you for referring me, but I really want to work with you. What can we do to work with you? Because you're creating that rapport and you cre you're creating that honesty right yes. out of the gate. So that's right. huge. That's yes. huge. Yeah, so, absolutely. Karen, every, all of the information will be part of our show notes, but if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and are you even open to working with non-lawyers? Uh, not much. Uh, for the most part, that really is our expertise. And uh, for the most part, uh, it's been a lot of uh, friends and family who have approached me that way. And it's never a good idea. Uh, <laughs> if there is sort of a parallel uh, to the legal industry, I feel like that uh, we have worked with that in, in the past. There's, there's been times when I've made exceptions, but they've typically been exceptions to the rule. Perfect, perfect. But how can how can our our lawyers that are listening to the show, how can they get a hold of you? So my website is conroycreativecouncil.com. I'm on all the social media uh, accounts as well. But if you just go to the website, you'll find all those links, conroycreativecouncil.com. Fantastic. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. And I have to say, you are my very first Karen. <laughs> <laughs> And it's I'm a Scandinavian, not a Karen. <laughs> yeah, I know. I get it mispronounced all the time, but I appreciate you getting it right. <laughs> Absolutely. I knew I would before the episode ended. <laughs> Thank you, Thank so, you much so much. Again. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Our pleasure. And entrepreneurs, you know, I'm always here for you, always looking out for you. And I do want you to go check out golegalyourself.com. It is a do-it-yourself legal protection, which helps you save money and gain peace of mind. I am attorney Kelly Bagler, the queen of business law. It's been my pleasure being your host. Until next time, cheers to your success. If you're looking to start a podcast on your own, use the coupon code WHATHAS at checkout and receive a free month of media hosting from our recommended hosting company, Libsyn.com. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. This podcast was produced by Imagine Podcasting, and we help businesses eliminate competition by elevating their brand message to be heard. Visit ImaginePodcasting.com for more information.